Let me say just at the very outset that uh, I appreciate it, uh, an honor and a privilege to be asked to share the word with you this morning. And um, when the deacons and uh, Pastor Richard came and asked me to share, I thought, oh my word, what a privilege. And uh, as you know, I've only been visiting the church a brief time and getting to know you. And uh, I count it an honor to be asked to open and share the word with you this morning. Richard, as you know, is away, and uh, he said, I won't be there to hear you, Tony, but I'm listening to you on a podcast. I said, is that painful? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been on a podcast before, but um, we'll see what he has to say eventually. Before we get into the word, did you ever hear the story about the Irishman that went into a little church, and he sat on the back row, and he'd come to analyze the preacher and um, so there he was sitting on the back row and the preacher started to preach and he's jumping up and down, getting all excited, waving his hands all over the place. And then he took a drink of water. Then he went on, he jumped up and down, got excited some more and waved his hands in the air, took another drink of water. And then uh, the third time he, you know, he went on, jumped up in the air, got excited, took another drink of water and then he finished his sermon. And after the service, they went to the old Irish guy at the back of the church and they said, what did you think to the preacher? He said, it's the first time I've seen a windmill driven by water. (laughs) Well, I hope I don't live up to that this morning. Now, in the interest of time, I'm not going to read it. And we had a lovely scripture reading. When I I listened to uh, the scripture reading this morning and Julie read that, there were elements of that that fit right in. I'm not just saying that with what I wanted to share this morning. And then when we sang that chorus, You Are My Help, in time of trouble, it just seemed to confirm, not that I needed that, but it did confirm what I wanted to share with you this morning. And uh, I'm not going to turn to the passage of Scripture that supports what I want to share with you in the interest of time. I'm watching the clock. But I want to speak to you this morning, and if you turn to Matthew chapter 14... This is the background of what I want to share. It's a very familiar passage. Jesus here was in the storm with his disciples. And uh, so if you want to open your Bibles, I'll be drawing from that and I'll quote from the message version of this story. And I want to talk to you this morning about why and how you can have courage in a crisis. The reality is that as Christians, we are meant to live in victory and we have victory through Christ We win in the end, and we win along the way. The reality is that at some time or another, we all face crises to a greater or a lesser degree. And I don't know about you, but I've found over the years, I want to know how, not just to go through a crisis, but how I can have courage in a crisis. And I think there are some principles in this passage that we can draw from to give us answer to that question. So looking at this passage here, Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. We know that, don't we? But he didn't always teach in a conventional way. Jesus teaches us the lessons of life through incidents, through accidents, and through adversities. And he's teaching when he's vocal, and he's teaching us when he's silent. I wonder this morning, have you discovered that The silence of God speaks. When you don't hear his voice and everything is still and silent, God still speaks if we're listening. He's teaching us when he's present and he's teaching us when he's absent. 
And he's doing that here in this passage. When you're waiting for God to show up in a situation of crisis, he's teaching. It's not just when God shows up that he's teaching. But whilst you're waiting for God to show up in your situation, he's still teaching. When you feel that God is distancing himself from you, he's teaching. Let me just read here from this passage. It says here of Jesus that he insisted that the disciples get into the boat, follow me closely here, and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea. Jesus said, you go to the other side, but I'm going up into the mountain to pray. He was distancing himself from them, even though he knew a crisis was looming. And I wonder this morning, do you ever feel yourself in situations that God is distancing himself from you? Times when you feel apart from God, times when you feel alone, you think that God is indifferent to what you're going through, that he's distancing himself from you in your situation. I want to say that his apparent non-conscious presence doesn't rule out the reality of his presence because he said in his word, I will never, and that's in the infinitive, leave you nor forsake you. You remember when Jesus ascended back to the Father, And he left his disciples, he separated his physical presence from them. He distanced himself. But he came back in the third person of the Godhead to be closer than he'd ever been. And if you're in Christ this morning, Jesus is closer to you than he could be if he were here in his physical presence. Because he lives right inside you. And the scripture says, he is with you always and he will never leave you. Let me just make an observation here. Just because we go to church every week with other believers does not mean we won't go through storms. Nations go through storms. Churches go through storms. Families, marriages, and individuals all go through storms. And then notice another truth here. The disciples were in the storm, but they were in the boat together. And let me say that times when you go through a crisis or through a storm is not a time to cut yourself off from fellowship. And I've seen people make that mistake over the years. We can sympathize with them because sometimes they feel they want to be alone and they can't face people. But that's not a time to cut yourself off from fellowship when you're going through a crisis. The storm may be peculiarly yours, but you have to stay in fellowship with other believers who understand this truth And doing that might well be a benefit. They can support you. They can give their love. They can encourage you. They can pray for you in the family of God's people because we believe we're a family. Amen? Now, it's one thing to be in a storm, but to be in a storm and alone is even worse. Note that it's the storms of life that let you and I know where we stand with God. And in that sense, they're valuable. Storms will and do come. And they come to us in different forms. But because you have storms doesn't mean that you've misplaced your faith and that you're not a Christian. But if you only use your faith to escape or try and stop the storms, you'll never know how much you've graduated or matured in your personal faith. It's the storms that tell you how you're developing. 
how you're growing, how you're making progress. So you don't need to be afraid of the storms if you've taken the classes in the classroom of life and done your homework beforehand. So let's get into this passage here now and see, first of all, the fact of storms for the believer. We've stated it, but let's elaborate on it. Referring again to this passage here, it says, The wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves. I want you to notice something here, that Jesus didn't find himself in the storm because he was out of the Father's will. And sometimes we think that. Oh, a storm has come because I must have displeased or grieved God. And this is why all this is happening. And that certainly can be the case. But Jesus didn't find himself in the storm because he was out of the Father's will. And we mustn't make that mistake. He didn't find himself in the storm because he didn't have faith. The storm came, listen to me, because he was doing the Father's will. Are you hearing me? When you are doing the will of God storms will come your way. Thank God there's a positive side to all of this, and I hope that will come across in what I'm sharing with you. Some people have got their thinking all back to front. They say, storms come because I'm out of God's will or because I don't have faith. But storms for the believer are par for the course. That's not popular preaching today. Some modern-day popular preaching in its attempt to present us with the prosperity side of things have unwittingly done as a disfavor. They say all you need is a positive confession and everything will be fine. And positive confession of the word of God certainly is important. But I don't know about you. I've had times when I've quoted the scripture and I've had a positive confession and the storm still raged. Or they say all you need is the right formula. And so we apply the formulas and that doesn't appear to work. So considering that, let's have balance here and let's teach the whole counsel of God. Jesus said to the disciples, we're going over to the other side and then he allowed the storms to come. Oh, same some modern day preaching. You mustn't talk like that. The whole aim of some modern day preaching is to get believers out of the storms. But tell me, how's that going to develop the faith they say we're all supposed to have? Because generally speaking, faith doesn't develop when the sun is shining and the skies are blue. But the impression is sometimes given, if you have faith, it will get you out of the storms of life. Give me a quick fix. Uh, Let me press the eject button. Beam me up, Scotty. Let me get to heaven in the easiest way possible. But God says, that's the very thing that I'm using to get you where you want to go. The storms of life. Even Jesus didn't try to get them out of the storm. To begin with, he led them into it and then he took them through it. You see, he knew everything that was going to happen when they got in that boat. When he said, go to the other side, he knew the storms were coming. He led them into it, but then he took them through it. And I've discovered that after 65 years of being a believer, that if I have faith, it usually takes me into the storms of God. And if you love God, if you want to obey, if you want to do his will, storms are par for the course. And they're in the path of where God is taking you. When Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't just a green pastures and still waters. The scripture talks about mountains and valleys and trials and tests. We sang about it in that last chorus. The fight of faith, warring and conquest, enemies and opposition. And all of those in the path of the believer. So if you think that faith is going to get you to escape from every storm, I've got news for you. Jesus is saying here to his disciples... 
to do my Father's will, I'm going through the storm. And you've got to go with me to get to where I'm going. Who's going to follow me now? On one occasion, Jesus talked like this and all of his disciples left him and forsook him. And one of the reasons why so many Christians, and I say this with a heavy heart, backslide, is because they've been taught that when they got saved, they signed up for a pleasure boat trip and a round-the-world cruise, to use metaphors. Oh, there'll be pleasant times. There'll be pleasant places. But if they're not taught the storms of life are par for the course, they'll stumble and they'll falter when they come, saying, what's this? I didn't sign up for this. I'm going back to where I was before. But sometimes, to get to where we're going, the shortest route is through the storm. Now, sometimes God takes us round. Sometimes God saves us from those things. But I found that more often than not, the shortest route to where he's going is to go through the storm. Jesus said, we're going through it, we're not going round it. Now, faith is imperative. The Bible says it is impossible <clears throat> to please God without faith. So, yes, we're to have faith. But how do we think God develops our faith? How do you know, you and I know that we have faith if we're never going to pass through a storm? And notice I said through. Storms are not necessarily a sign that you don't have faith. They're not necessarily a sign that you're out of God's will. Usually they're an opportunity to show what we're made of. And to demonstrate the faith that we already have. The storms are an opportunity to grow up. To do God's will regardless. To get to know how much God cares for you. To discover the greatness of God and things about Him that you never ever knew before. There are opportunities to escape into what God has for you up ahead. And let me tell you, when you go through a storm, God still has a future for you. In fact, that's where He's taking you. How can you be encouraged in a crisis, in a storm? Because of four things that you can discover in any storm. God's presence, God's provision, God's power, and God's purpose. And we're going to look at that this morning, but I'll only have time maybe to deal with two or three, uh, and we'll have to leave the rest. When Israel were in the wilderness, the Bible tells us <clears throat> that in their journeyings, they were part of, or a type rather, of the church. But they went for 38 years through the desert. That was their particular storm. And in that situation, they discovered these same four things. <clears throat> God's presence, God's provision, God's power and God's purpose. And that's what I want to share with you this morning for the next few minutes. The storm, first of all, is a place to discover God's presence. Notice the first thing that happened in the storm. Verse 25, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea, saying by doing that, my presence is with you. Whenever you look at difficult situations in the Bible, usually one of the first words that was spoken to God's people was fear not. Whenever an angel appeared <clears throat> to the people of God, it was an intrusion of the supernatural into the natural. And God knew that they'd be frightened. So the first words that the angel said was, fear not. Why was this? The first thing God wants you to know when you're in a storm, that he's not left you. Oh, what a blessing that is. You can count on his presence. He said, I will never ever leave you nor forsake you. He's graving you on the palm of his hands. And when he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that's in the infinitive. Never, 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 never. 
Paul the apostle who suffered greatly said, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall famine or persecution or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. His presence, beloved, is with you in the storm. There are lovely people here this morning who have lost a loved one and they're suffering. I want you to know that the presence of God particularly is with you in that situation. When Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, the Bible says he wept. He was divine, but he was human. And God is very close when you're bereaved. Four years ago, I lost my wife, been married nearly 50 years, and it was the hardest three years that I ever passed through. But God was with me. And God is with you, dear ones, this morning in your grief. His presence is with you in the storm, especially then and especially there. Anybody can shout about the presence when they're on the mountaintop, but what about when you're in the storm? You remind me in the storm that, God, you are with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. I shall fear no evil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You remind me in the storm, says David, that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This storm, beloved, what you're experiencing, if that's where you are, isn't the end. It's just a blip on a journey that has a glorious future and an ending. I used to pray, Lord, don't let me go through the storm. But now I pray, Lord, just be in the boat with me. And God says, in your storm, before anything else, I want you to know I am with you. There's a beautiful passage in Isaiah 43 verse 2. I'm sure many, most of us know it. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Listen to the language here. Through, 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 through. <clears throat> what are we saying here? Storms are seasonal. They're transient. They're passing. And while they rage, God says, I am with you. We used to sing when I was a boy growing up in the church, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. And some of the greatest manifestations of the presence of God in my life have been when I've been going through storms. Thank God it's not all been storms. But some of the greatest manifestations of his presence in my life, believe me, of when I've been going through the storms. When I lost my dear wife four years ago, just over four years ago, there were times when I sat in my chair in the lounge And it seemed like the heavens were like brass and then his presence would come and say, I'm still with you. Some of the greatest manifestations of God's presence come when we're in the storm because it makes me lean on him. It makes us cry out to him to look in desperation to him. And you know what? He's always been there. Why is that? Because in those times I need him most. And so he manifests his presence the greatest. And if you're going through a storm and his presence is with you, you can face anything. Can I say that again? If you are going through a storm right now and his presence is with you, you can face anything. And it's got nothing to do with how you feel. When I lost my wife, I felt that I was so low it was up periscope time. (laughs) But it's got nothing to do with whether you feel him. We walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus was with his disciples here long before they felt him. Can I say that again? He was with his disciples long before they felt him. What shall we say then, says Paul to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
And then notice in the middle of all of this, Christianity is not just about when we're in the church service with our brother and sisters, that then we have God's presence. But when we're alone at night with our fears and our tears, when all the counselors have gone home, when you're in the prayer closet and you're crying out to God, God, you've got to get me through this, and you've got to go through it on your own, but with Him. When you're wrestling with that seemingly impossible situation, or when you feel like you can't take another step, when the devil is mocking you because you chose to face your storm, Jesus comes walking towards you in the storm. He comes riding on the intensity of the storm as the winds blow. He comes to say to you in the storm, you can do what I am doing because of my presence that is with you. Peter didn't get out of the boat because he felt good. He got out of the boat on the strength of a word. Come. And he had to bring his feelings at that moment in line with the word. They tell me of the North American eagle that it has a huge, huge wingspan. And when a storm comes and it wants to rise above the storm, it just spreads its wings and is lifted above the storm. And he's saying, God is saying here, you can do that. Jesus is saying to Peter, you can do what I'm doing because my presence is with you. Peter didn't get out of the boat because he felt good. He got out of the boat on the strength of a word and brought his feelings in line with the word. And when you realize who dwells within you this morning, that can lift your spirit above the storm. But then did you notice something interesting here? He chooses how the storm comes, not you. The Lord chooses that. How many of the disciples would have figured out that in their storm, Jesus would come walking on the water? Don't ever try to figure out how God will get you out of your storm. You say, "Uh, don't you have eyes, Tony, to see the storm? That's often the problem. We do have eyes, but often we're looking at the wrong thing in the storm, trying to figure it out by our own reasoning, and it doesn't help. Focusing on the storm so much that we can't discern his presence in the storm. When Peter looked at the waves, he lost sight of the presence of Jesus. There's a beautiful scripture in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 that's been a blessing to me. And I'm reading from the message. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow and how we focus upon them. But it goes on to say, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Do you know when you're going through that difficult situation, I've found that that's the time when God is working the most. He's moving the furniture around. He's orchestrating things, bringing people across your path, organizing your tomorrows. Elisha went out for a walk one day with his servant and suddenly they saw the enemies and the armies of their enemies and their chariots and the horses around them, surrounding them on the hillside. And Elisha could see that, but his servant couldn't see what Elisha could see. And he panicked and he got scared and God said, Oh Lord, open his eyes. And in the storm, God has for you armies of his ministering angels standing by in the unseen realm to deliver you. Do you believe that? Or is that just a story for the kids? Before the disciples had Jesus' manifest presence, his unseen presence was still with them. And that's true for us this morning. You don't have to work out how he will come in your storm. Just know that he will. Just know that he does. You don't have to know in advance 
How am I going to deal with that situation, that loss, that loved one, that grief, that wayward family member, that financial mountain facing me, that matter of guidance, that matter of importance of the decision that I have to make. All you have to do is wait for him to come. And you know, God often chooses the time. (laughs) By nature, I'm impatient and I often want God to come sooner. But you know, God may seem to come at the 11th hour, but he's never late. However long the storm may rage, he'll always come at the right time. And all we have to do is wait for him to come. Walk with him today. Rest in faith. In the knowledge that God is in absolute control. What else can you do in a life-threatening storm? I was in hospital a few years ago and had a second of two major operations. It was a life-threatening situation. And the surgeon came and sat on the bed before the operation and he said, Mr. Hill, if this doesn't work, we might have to insert a colostomy back. Are you ready for that to happen? Because we don't know what we'll find when we open you up. And after the surgery, they called my wife and my son John in uh, and uh, the doctor, the surgeon, said it had been a close call. He said it could have been fatal. But I felt his presence come to me in the storm. It was almost midnight, literally, physically, But he came, and this is what he said, Thou shalt not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. How does God show up in the storm? He comes as Jehovah Shammah, which means God is there. And that's why he should always be the first person to call upon in the storm. Somebody said we should run to the throne before we reach for the phone. (laughs) He doesn't have to come. You don't have to send for him. Why? Because he's there. And when you're in the storm, God is able to show the various facets of himself that you could never have seen outside the storm. They'd never seen Jesus walk on water before because they'd never been in that kind of storm before. God has a thousand ways to bring you through your storm. And every storm presents you and I with the opportunity to discover something about God that you never knew before. And you'll never exhaust all that he is. Some of the challenges perhaps that you're facing this morning that you've never faced before are because God wants to show facets of himself to you that you've never seen before. Your storm, your crisis is actually a conveyor of some of those blessings. You see, we have to learn to actually see those experiences not as negatives, but as positives. They're negative to us, but if we can see them as a... You see, God is in control even of the storm and whatever comes in your life. And there are opportunities to get to know him more. It says God made known his ways unto Moses. But Moses had to go through some storms in order to get that revelation. And you have the opportunity to get to know God better through the storm. That famous song we love so much we sing it, don't we? When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. And don't be afraid of the dark. You've never needed God like you need him in your present storm. Good. Very good. Did it ever occur to you that the storm is part of your journey? And God is using it to show himself even greater on your behalf. How does he do that? Verse 25 here. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Doctors tell us that when person people are critically ill, those hours are the most difficult for the person. It's usually a critical time. God often shows up. Using it as a metaphor, on the fourth watch of the night, the most difficult time for you, when you say, I can't take any more. 
I won't survive this. I've done everything right, but everything is going wrong. I prayed, I believed, I cried, I died to myself, but I'm going under for the last time. Then something happens. God shows up. And in the nick of time, or should we say, right on time. The presence of God alone in the storm should be enough to deal with the crisis. Because boats that carry Jesus on them don't sink. Can I ask you this morning, if you're in this situation, is Christ in your boat? The scripture says here in verse 27, Jesus spake great, uh, to them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Courage, it's me, don't be afraid. God wants you, and we can only do this as we look to the scripture and look to him, to be encouraged in the middle of your storm. I found that a challenge when I lost my wife. I did. God, I, I, I'm referring to that a lot this morning, aren't I? But this is how it happened. And God came to show me that he wanted to encourage me in the middle of that storm. Not because of the conditions, but because of his presence. And all you need is not the details of how he's going to get you through. All you need to know is that he's with you. Don't figure, try to figure out how God is going to deal with your storm, your crisis, your situation. All of the attempts of the disciples to figure a way out of their storm would avail nothing. And that's one principal message that your storm is trying to teach you. Be still and know that I am God. That is not a stillness of inactivity. You can be busy. You can have a full busy life. But be calm in spirit in what you're passing through. Because God has said, when I told you I would never leave you or forsake you, that should be the end of your striving. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know, disciples. This is me. This is Jesus. I'm here. And when you know that God is with you, what else do you need? If God be for us, who can be against us? What storm can take you under? What lightning can strike you? What situation is too hard? What depravity can overtake you? What calamity can crush you? What crisis is too great? If God be for us, then what and who can be against us? And then notice, out of the presence of God, we discover the second thing. The provision of God. And the storm is a place to discover God's provision. Peter said, Lord, if you are present, provide for me to do what you are doing. Walking on water. And wherever you have God's presence, hear me, you'll also have his provision. Because what he is, he provides. He is all I need. And we sing that beautiful chorus. It doesn't matter what your situation is. If God shows up, he is I am that I am. He is whatever you need. When Moses knelt at the burning bush, God came to him before he sent him to Pharaoh. And he said, what is your name? He said, I am that I am. Moses needed an awful lot on that occasion. But in this statement, God said, you'll have whatever you need because I am what I am. He is whatever you need this morning. Matthew 7 verse 9 it says, Which of you if his son asks bread will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish will he give him a serpent? In other words, he'll be and he'll provide according to your need in the storm. Seize that part under your feet. Quail from heaven. Manna from heaven. Water from a rock. Light at the night from a pillar of fire. Heat to warn them. Shelter from the heat of the day from a gigantic cloud. Guidance and direction in a howling wilderness for 38 years. Shoes that lasted for 38 years. I don't think clerks have heard about that. Clothes that will never work, wear out. Miracle meals of bread and fish for hungry multitudes. Tax money from a fish. What is it saying? 
He'll be and he'll provide according to your need in the storm. And one word transitioned them from presence here to provision. The word come. Jesus said come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Miraculous provision, in other words, to cope with the storm. But to have this, you have to be prepared to act in the storm. Now that boat was a substantial size. It carried 12 men. And it says of Peter, when he came down. Now sometimes to get to where the provision of God is, you have to come down from where some people around you are at. Who say it can't be done. Stay in the boat and play it safe. Face up to it. It's a lost cause. The days of miracles are over. You'll never get a breakthrough. Forget praying for that unsaved husband, wife, loved one. God blesses everybody else, but not you. People are going to laugh at you if you step out and trust God. They'll laugh at you if you don't. They say if you're going to be encouraged in the storm, you're not facing reality. But the reality isn't what you see. The reality is what you don't see. And so those people are at their stage like the others that were staying in the boat. But God may be through the storm is calling you to another stage. He's calling you to go higher. Calling you to go deeper. To go further. Even though you're in a storm. To step out and go for God. And when that happens you must be willing to relocate to where God wants you to go. They are hindering you from the provision that God wants you to have. And that's the time you have to say, I'm going to transition from shouting about the presence of God and start walking in the provision of God. I'm not out to court popularity of people. I just want to go where Jesus calls me. And there's not a storm in your life that God hasn't provided a miracle for. Your storm is just an opportunity for God to show how great he is on your behalf. You're probably saying, I shouldn't by all accounts even be here, but God has provided for me. I'm standing on the promises of God and his word come. God says in the midst of the storm, you can know his miraculous provision. And that means God wants you to start walking on stuff that normally you would sink in. Through his provision, he can turn the storm into victory. Doing things that other people in the boat say can't be done. You can't survive this long in your storm, but you have You can't do what you're doing, but you have. You can't take the pressure, but you have. You can't get the victory in the storm, but you have. You can't remain strong in faith, giving glory to God, but you are. You can't keep believing your situation will turn around for you, but you are. You can't believe the future is bright, but you do. You can't see God using you even in the storm, but he is. Because when God said, my God shall supply all your need, that extends beyond just money. He'll provide whatever you need in your storm. You can say because of God's provision and of all that you need in your storm, if God be for us, who and what can be against us? If he says, come to me in in my storm, that means this. He still has a plan for my life. If he says, come to me in my storm, he still has a ministry for me to fulfill. And we think of ministry as a preacher behind a pulpit doing what I'm doing this morning. But we're all, according to the Bible, we all have a ministry. And if he says, come in my storm, he still has good things in store. He still will give me everything I need to succeed in life. If God says, come to me in my storm, it doesn't matter what people say about me. If God says, come to me in my storm, it doesn't matter that I feel inadequate. It doesn't matter that I feel without the necessary strength. If God says, come to me in my storm, it doesn't matter if I've made some mistakes. See, the key to me making it through my storm doesn't rest with my ability to climb out of it but on his ability to come to me, lift me up, 
and bring me through it. His arm is not short that it cannot save. And his word is to you, come and let me provide what you need. But it's at this point we can become intimidated. Because when you start to do what human reasoning says cannot be done, you start to think this doesn't make sense. And your senses become frustrated because you're walking in the provision of God and his ability to rescue you from the storm and it doesn't make sense. You say, is this really happening? Am I really walking on water? Because at that time what you're doing is going against your five senses and you're moving in the supernatural realm. Did you know that you can still move in the supernatural realm in the midst of the storm? To use a metaphor that you can become a walker on water. Because in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 it says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And Richard dealt with this on our weekend away. We're all cracked pots. Not cracked pots. But cracked pots. So there comes a tension point between your senses and what you're actually doing. I'm doing this, but it makes no sense. Your senses say, I should have gone under, but I'm walking in water. It makes no sense. I should have had a nervous breakdown by now, but I'm stronger than ever. It makes no sense. I should have thrown the toweling a long time ago, but I'm more than determined than ever to live for God. It makes no sense. I've been tried to the limit of human endurance, but I'm still living in victory. It makes no sense. There's always an intimidation to fluctuate between the senses and the spiritual thing in hand. Peter was walking one minute and starting to sink the next. Because whilst we're obeying God and that second nature to us, at the same time the enemy is talking to us and saying, what if? So to have spirituality doesn't mean we're divorced from our humanity. The Apostle Paul said, When I would do good, evil is present with me. For the things I would do, these I do not. And the things I would not, these I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this vile body of corruption? He experienced a conflict between the new man in Christ and between his humanity. To have spirituality doesn't mean that we have to be divorced from our humanity. Peter experienced a mixture of the supernatural and the natural in his storm. What do you mean, Tony? When God comes to you with a promise, the enemy is on your shoulder saying, what if? Oh, Tony, you shouldn't talk like that. You should say we're always full of faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get real. Let's take the mask off. Can we be honest? Am I talking to real people? The question is asked when you're in the storm. What if you serve God and things don't work out? What if your unsaved partner doesn't get saved? What if that wayward family member is never restored? What if my career goes wrong and I'm out of a job? What if you don't get that promotion that you're counting on? What if the doctor's report isn't good? What if that lump in your body returns? What if my finances fail? What if I don't secure that needed mortgage? What if I made that wrong decision? What if you begin to sink and go down? What if, what if, what if? What if you have God's presence and God's provision, but faith begins to fluctuate? What if the human side kicks in at the wrong time? It says you didn't pray enough, you didn't fast enough this week. I didn't make a positive confession every day. I've missed one day. You start worrying about something that you thought you'd given to God. Your circumstances got worse and it was because of you. We need to stop depending like, uh, acting rather like it all depends upon us. When you got saved, did it all depend upon you? Were you perfect in God's man or woman of faith and power? I want to encourage you in your what-ifs, in your storm. You can still come in your limitations, your human frailty, your failings, your falterings, 
and still access the power of God. When Peter got out of the boat, he wasn't acting like your average televangelist. Tony, can I still be me and access the power of God? Yes. Can I still come with my limitations and access the power of God? Yes. Tell me how. By something called grace. God came to all of the disciples with his presence and provision, not just to Peter. But tell me, were they acting like great heroes of faith in that boat? They were troubled. They were crying out for fear. But God still provided for them in the storm. Oh, the grace of God. I'm just winding it up now because time has gone. The fact is you'll never make it in life without God's divine interventions despite your human failings. And if you live long enough, you're going to face something in which you'll run out of human power and you'll need divine intervention to bring you through. Because the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. But when you need him, he'll be there to provide everything that you need. When you're invaded by your what-ifs, God says, but I'm not through yet. In the storm, you can know my presence and my provision, but you can also know my power. We haven't got time to deal with that. And then finally, the storm is a place to rediscover the purpose of God. What this was all about was to keep the disciples in the purpose and plan of God for their lives. And I don't know what storm you're going through or have been through. But that's the intention of God behind it. You see, we see through the natural eyes. We don't see the invisible. But God says, all of this, even the storms of life, I'm allowing it to bring about my purpose in your life. God, give us eyes to see. Can you say amen this morning? Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. Our time has gone.